This is Orlando with Rob Cobble. Hey, welcome once again to This is Orlando. I am your host, Rob Coble, and uh, thanks again for joining us. Uh, we've been able to come uh, a lot more frequently lately because of uh, the logistics involved, and uh, it's a lot easier to get guests to be able to just do a quick Zoom chat than it is to try and get everybody pulled together in person. Our guest today is somebody that has joined us before, uh, along with some of his uh, colleagues from Falcon's Treehouse in Orlando, and uh, we're going to talk today to him a little bit more about his career path and some of the things that he's been up to lately. So please join me in welcoming Jesse James Allen back to the show. Renaissance man, Jesse James Allen. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, man. No, it's always good. Uh, it's always good to catch up with you. Um, you're one of those guys that just uh, is constantly doing stuff and you've got that creative itch that you just like never can seem to scratch. <laughs> yeah. What's, Definitely. what's going on, man? How's things over at, at Falcons? I know you guys are all working right now on, uh, uh, from remote locations and everything, right? Yeah. You know, it's, uh, obviously with, the the whole virus thing, uh, we had to adapt and come up with a new way of dealing with it. And fortunately, our, our team has got great infrastructure and we're able to do that pretty much flawlessly. I haven't seen any issues. Uh, productivity just is rocking right along and right on. everybody seems happy. So, yeah, that's yeah. good. I, mean, I know. It's kind of like um, working in the world of tech, I guess. Um, you guys were probably a little more equipped to deal with this kind of thing than maybe some other companies, huh? Yeah, and uh, you know, we've been kind of like progressing up to this point to build the infrastructure to do that, not knowing, of course, that this was going to be the way things unfolded, but it did. And uh, yeah, I'm, I think we're doing great. Awesome, man. Well, I'm glad to hear. Well, before we jump into to talking about you, um, God, it's been it's been at least a year, maybe a year and a half since we sat down uh, out at Falcon's Treehouse with you and and a couple of uh, your colleagues there. Um, we had a great conversation talking about some of the work that you guys have been doing in um, virtual reality, some virtual tours of uh, museums. And I remember one was uh, like a holy site in Israel that you guys did a um, did a virtual tour of and everything. What uh, what, if anything, are you able to talk about that uh, to update us on what's been happening? So actually, uh, I can't go really in depth on any uh, projects here, but. Fortunately, Falcons does have its own podcast. It's called Experience Imagination. We have really in-depth discussions about pretty much every project that we've done, especially in the past year or so uh, there. And you can find that on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Awesome. Uh, what, what again, what is the, what did they search for? What's the name of the podcast? Experience Imagination. Okay. We have several episodes dedicated specifically to the projects and kind of everybody who was involved with it from design all the way to when we opened the doors. So. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Well, I encourage, um, I encourage uh, our listeners to go check out this, um, the Falcon's Treehouse uh, podcast, because you guys are just doing some amazing things out there. Um, it's, 
it's eye-opening not only to see what can be done with technology, but um, some of the the problem-solving you guys have to do. God, it's it's almost kind of weird. I remember you talking about the disposable uh, uh, kind of uh, holders for the uh, goggles and everything, which now seems like, damn, you guys were way ahead of the game there, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. Hygiene has always been super important, especially in big theme park development. And uh, yeah, we we went after that one pretty fast. And that was like two years ago. And yeah, it's like amazing how relevant that is now. Yeah, no kidding, man. Jesse James Allen Renaissance, man. I believe you've been given that title because uh, not only because of all the creative stuff that you've been involved with, but most recently I've been reading a lot about your involvement in projection mapping. For somebody like me sure. that has really no clue what all that is, kind of give it to me in layman's terms, will you? Sure. Actually, um, there's a, a whole side of me that just does tons of exploratory research with various technologies. And one of the things that has really fascinated me in the kind of advent of mixed reality and all of that kind of stuff is the concept of being able to do augmented reality without any kind of device in front of you. So no headset, no iPad, no nothing, just be able to see a physical object and have a virtual projection wrapped around it. Nice. Right. So that's like the basic concept. And projection mapping, of course, hasn't, that's nothing new. That's a technology that's actually been out for a while. Um, It's just right now, there's a lot of um, programs and whatnot that have made that exceptionally, uh, well, substantially easier to use than in previous years. Ironically, it was something that uh, derived from things that I was studying at work. And I kind of just went down the rabbit hole of like, what is this technology, how to best use it? And what it, what that has turned into is um, it has allowed me to kind of specialize in this really unique thing. Um, and I've been able to collaborate with a lot of Orlando artists uh, in doing presentations that um, I've shown at uh, Creative City Projects Immerse, the Snap City Unseen Augmented Reality Festival. I did one with Yala Ford. Also, um, Fusion Fest with uh, this project we called At Peace, which we projection mapped a physically painted mural. Uh, so it would look like a normal painted mural, but the whole thing would come to life and animate and all that. Um, and then one you might have caught about a year ago um, with muralist Chaya. At Orlando Game Space, we brought that entire mural on the side of the wall to life with projection mapping and augmented reality on the phones on top of that. So you have an augmentation of an augmentation. So <laughs> yeah, that was that was really cool. Um, I, I loved seeing that. And it for me, my experience with virtual reality has not been the greatest. And I think it's because, well, I've been told it, it, it has to do with frame rates when you have the goggles on, not going fast enough for your brain to be able to process it like you would normally look at something. So I tend to, sure. like, I, I remember the last time I, I went on the um, talent simulations chair uh, and did their roller coaster, I felt like I was hung over for like three days afterwards. So what you're saying with the stuff you're sure. doing right now is you can still get that same effect without the goggles, with with nothing on. Yeah, you, and that's, that's just an one of the things, things that it's it's emerging technology. So what what kind of installations have you been doing? I mean, what um, who else have you been collaborating with? Right. Are there 
projects right now that people can go and see? Sure. So, um, like if you, if you want the kind of grand tour of stuff, you can certainly just check out my Instagram page, which is Jesse James Allen, uh, or I'm also on Vimeo and it has most of those collaborations on there. Um, and they're kind of short videos. Most of them are like a minute or so. Um, and that's actually something that I thought was pretty relevant in talking about in today's episode is uh, mostly just because there's a lot of artists and creative types that are um, finding themselves with a lot of time <laughs> right now. And, and they're trying to figure out. Yeah. And they're trying to figure out, well, where do I go from here? How do I get started? That kind of thing. Um, and I think uh, kind of what I'm doing is is possibly an idea for a lot of people um, when you're exploring technology like that or any of those augmented reality, virtual reality, any of that kind of stuff, it seems like this overwhelming amount of information uh, to gather. And then you're starting to think, oh, I have to build this like epic project kind of thing. Um, and it's so many people just don't even try because they just seem think that this is going to be this overwhelming monumental task. So this was something I learned from Colney Smith from Creative City Project. He said, being a creative or being an artist, it's super important to build your portfolio. And that portfolio doesn't necessarily need to be the most elaborate productions that take you years and months to make. To be able to do that consistently, to be able to do that, you know, let's say once a week or once every other week or once every three weeks, something like that, you know, put up that little video and show people your journey. And at first, that might kind of seem like a daunting task, but you'll find that, you know, these are all bite-sized creative projects. The nice part about that is that when you fast forward, um, let's say a year or two, you actually have this like really cool portfolio. So if you do release something that either goes viral or gets a lot of attention, or if you're trying to work with a new person and they are like, hey, what do you do? What's your um, background? You can send them that link and they can see so many of the things that you've done and the, the versatility and the skill set that you have. And that speaks far greater than anything you could ever put in your resume. So I you know, really encourage creatives to try that. So I, I really like yeah. that. Um, you know, I think it's good to even just in general life, you know, set a series of little goals to help you accomplish that really big goal. And um, I need to apply that to my trying to teach myself guitar because every time I pick up the instrument, I want to just be able to play. And I get so frustrated that then I throw it back down and just go, ah, the hell with it, you know? So, but you're right. Sure, you know, it's sure. like maybe, you know, learn a couple of riffs and then put it together into a song down the road. Um, it doesn't have yeah. to happen overnight. So, so what you're saying is enjoy the journey. <laughs> Absolutely. And I actually think it's it's way more about the journey um, than anything else. Uh, you know, when people talk about, you know, following your passion, I totally agree with the philosophy of following your curiosity. You know, you don't need to be an expert at all these different things. You know, sometimes it's like, you you know, you dip your toe into the pool and kind of see Let's experiment with this a little bit. We'll build something small and then see if it's something that interests me. So this concept is not foreign. Matter of fact, um, Canal over at GameSpace, you know, says this quite a bit. Is you know they do things like game jams where a group of you know several people come together and try to build a video game over a weekend or something like that. That kind of mentality is super helpful when you're just kind of in a creative rut and you're like, I would love to learn some new things. But, you know, this seems like a daunting task. And 
even if you are trying to collaborate with a couple people, you know, building a small presentation a minute or two or something like that, um, most people can make the time for that. And that's kind of, that opens up just so many more options uh, for exploration and learning. And um, again, like you can try several different experiments and just kind of go, you know, experiment number four was actually the one I had the most fun with, you know, and, and then you can like expand that and learn more from that. Yeah. But um, let's, let's and, explore. And I was going to say, let's explore that a little bit because um, you're kind of working in a visual medium right now and um, you come kind of out of an audio background. Correct. What steered you that yeah. way? Was it just general curiosity? Well, you know, this is kind of hilarious and the fact that um, I'm not alone in this as an audio guy. Um, a lot of audio people are super technical, especially if they're on the kind of like post-production, if you're used to MIDI, if you're used to digital audio workstations and a lot of that kind of stuff. I found that so much of that methodology applies to creating visuals, whether this is stuff that's going into like Unity or if you're using other visual programs, um, which there's just so many of out there <laughs> that think a lot of them are MIDI controllable. Uh, they can receive open sound control data. A lot of that kind of stuff is accessible. So if you have that background, it's actually super beneficial going to the visual side of things. Also, I find that most audio people kind of have a a good sense of cadence. So when you are building a visual presentation, you kind of know from, you know, how you construct music, how to basically make a presentation that has a good feel to it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and of course, one of the big uh, things that I do is after I build these like really elaborate visual things is go in and get to play around with sound design and every single project is so unique that I get to do a lot of sound and music that I really would never have any other opportunity to, to explore. So it helps me both visually and it also helps on the audio side. So for people who are trying to go after this themselves, like maybe you're a really talented After Effects artist or something, you know, collaborate with a you know local musician or something and just say, hey, you know, I'm going to do the visual side of this and you can do the audio side of this. And it's only a minute long, so this shouldn't take that long. Um, all of a sudden you come together and now you have this new thing, you know, so. Yeah. Do you compose as well? Are you composing like original music for these installations or? Yeah, I, I've actually been uh, into music pretty much my whole career. I used to even do um, music for uh, a lot of the games uh, that we did through Electronic Arts because one of the things there was that they would license in a bunch of music for the front end stuff. But way back in the day, we're talking like from, you know, maybe PS2 to, you know, PS3 era, there would always be that other side of the game that was like all the, the sub game modes and other menus and stuff. And they would all need music. And a lot of the, uh, the sound designers would also do the music for those parts of the game. Yeah. Um, so I've been into electronic music for like, uh, geez, since age 13, you know, long, long time. And a lot of what has given me a lot of the technical chops is uh, one of my big interests when I first got into it was programming analog and FM synthesizers, which was always, you know, every one of those things was very cryptic looking and, and as far as like navigating through how things were laid out and all that. But that kind of also gave me some of the chops to learn how to learn, right? <laughs> it's like learn how to adapt, right? Nice. So. Well, and we were talking about this the other day. I mean, you don't have a formal 
educational background, right? No, I uh, I did have pretty rough childhood, and um, you know, by the time that I was of college age. Um, fortunately, I had gotten involved with a magnet school at my high school that got me into learning music production and physics and, and that kind of stuff. And I had really awesome teachers. And those teachers kind of got together and they got me an internship at uh, the Denver Center for the Performing Arts. And that's where I learned how to like record and uh, work with like orchestras and all that kind of stuff. And it was also the dawn of the digital age, right? So um, the old multi-track analog tapes and all that stuff were starting to fade out. And now we were starting to see the beginnings of things like Sound Designer, which became Pro Tools and Alchemy that was a sample editing tool for hardware samplers back then. Since they were like, well, the interns got the most amount of time, I was always assigned to learn all of that and then kind of show their um, formal staff how to use these tools. Um, and that really was beneficial because it kind of put me several years ahead of the curve, even what was being taught at uh, the colleges for that kind of stuff, just because you know these people were trying to make money with this stuff as fast as possible. Um, and that kind of gave me the edge there. So one of the things I often get is how did I get into the industry and how did I get you know my first job and whatnot? Um, it, this kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier, and that um, it was really a curiosity-driven thing. I spent so much time learning how to program synthesizers and collaborating with people that I started collaborating with local DJs, helping them program their dance tracks and music tracks because this was like the era of electronic music and that yeah, kind of yeah. stuff that was that was starting to roll in. One of my very first jobs was through one of my dad's friends. I was an apprentice vinyl record mastering engineer. So not only could I help people put their tracks together, but we could actually cut them on an acetate and take them to a dance club and test them out on a live audience. Um, and that became a pretty cool thing that uh, went over several months. And one of the stories that I recently told at Orlando Story Club was that back in 1996, one of the DJs that I was working with says, hey, I got this track from this artist by the name of Joey Cardwell. We have to produce this thing by Friday. Um, we're going over to my friend Thane's house. So I showed up there and we started producing this remix for this track. You know, it took us all night to do this thing. When we were done, you know, it just kind of goes out into the world and I just live my life, right? And a couple of weeks later, I run into that DJ at the club and he goes, you got to see this. He throws down Billboard magazine. That remix had made it to number 33 or 32 on the top 100. And Very I was cool. like, oh, my God. And this was at a time when I was, you know, like many people who are just like out of college or out of high school trying to get a job in the industry. And everybody is like, you know. It's that impossible thing. Like you have your resume and they're like, hey, unless something substantial is on this or you have 50 years experience at everything that's on here, you know, we're not interested in hiring anybody. And that's such a, you know, conundrum. It's uh, so frustrating. But you're but like, oh, like this. Hey, I've got a billboard top 40 hit, you know, come on. Right. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. So the. The punchline to this is that like three more weeks go by, this thing arrives at number one for two weeks in a row. And we had only gotten paid like $500 to do this album. And it, at first it was kind of like, ah, you missed that on the, like, I guess the financial gain of it. But then it was like, it kind of dawns on you, like, I have a number one album, you know? So like I use that as 
the basically the breaking point to get me into the industry and yeah. um, and from there I just it's just been this crazy odyssey I started in post production and I did that until right around the early 2000s like 2001 um, and then I kind of saw this new industry on the horizon that I wanted to jump ship into, which was the world of video game sound. And like at that time, everybody was like, you're crazy. There's nothing going on there for a professional audio engineer. And I took a chance, you know, uh, I, 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 my curiosity got the best of me and I loved video games and I got into it and I wound up making 53 of them after that. So that's really cool, man. Yeah. So you know, one of the things that I talk about a lot, not only on this show, but during my consults and stuff like that, is one of the best things that you can do, you're a living example of, you get involved. And the more involved you get, the more, uh, not only the more experience you get, but the more exposure you get with people out there. So when you were starting out, how did you find these opportunities? Did you volunteer? Did you just start asking people? Um, what is your advice that you would give to people that have that creative itch that want to get involved in projects? Just go knocking on doors or? Yeah, I, you know, originally that's what I did um, back in the day of, you know, no social media, right? Like I think in these days it's actually a lot easier to approach other creatives than it was back then. You know, nowadays, like if you see somebody who's especially in your local community that's doing really amazing stuff. You know, it takes very little time to actually send a little IM or something and like, hey, here's the skill set that I have. Here's some of the work that I've been doing. Would you be interested in collaborating something or get a cup of coffee or something like that? And you'd be surprised how many times people say yes. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes they don't even know what they're getting into. They're like, sure. And then you sit down and you talk. And, and sometimes that also leads you to other groups of people. I feel extremely blessed because here in Orlando, we have an amazing creative community. Uh, and I wasn't even aware of this for like years of living here. I mean, um, I moved down here to work at Electronic Arts. We're talking greater than 10 years. I was not aware of everything that was going on uh, in Orlando. And then I, of course, started um, going to some of the Indianomicon stuff, meeting people through that. Um, and then me being a total introvert back in the day, uh, I was trying to figure out how to better communicate with people. Um, so I joined Orlando Story Club. Uh, which is a great group of storytellers here in Orlando where they randomly pick a name out of the hat and you go up on stage and you tell a real life story. And through that, not only did I learn how to talk better to big groups of people, but I also found that like everybody in that room seemed to have creative friends or they were a creative person themselves. And so as you get you know familiar with that community, it just kind of cascades through like, oh, you got to meet my artist friend who does this or whatever. And a lot of that has turned into projects and collaborations and just lots of great new ideas. And it has really catapulted, um, you know, even what I thought was possible way up into the stratosphere. Yeah. And I, I'm guessing that at this point now you've paid your dues. So now people are reaching out to you saying, hey, do you want to collaborate? And also just sometimes they're they're just simple questions of like, how do you get started? What software do you use? You know, is there any online tutorials and that kind of stuff? And just kind of pointing people to links and references and other people that might help them on their own journey. Um, and that's really part of what makes a great 
art community, right? It's like everybody kind of understanding that we're all in the same boat, you know? <laughs> I like that you you recognize the importance of of networking and, and, and getting involved in your community and you actually did something about it. You know, you, you mentioned that you joined the story club and that you've been out, you know, that kind of helped you feel more confident in your presentation and going out to other people and stuff like that. What other advice would you have for those that might be in the same boat? I've run into that a lot with students that I work with that I think they understand the importance of networking, but they just, don't necessarily feel comfortable doing it. So sure. give us give us the lowdown on that. Yeah, I would say, you know, the key to that is really try to find groups with common interests uh, as you. Um, like I had mentioned earlier, game jams, if you're like a video game designer or anybody that has any relation to that industry, game jams are a great way to like go out and, and meet people learn a bunch of stuff with a lot of people as well. Those are fantastic. You know, any of those events that you see, I like Immerse is a fantastic festival with the Creative City Project. And that's one of those things that, um, you know, they gather artists from all over Orlando and they do just small little exhibits. Sometimes it's even just contacting them and say, hey, look, I have uh, contacting Creative City Project and saying, hey, I have a certain skill set. Do you know any artists that might be able to, you know, work with me or need me to work with them or that kind of thing. And uh, yeah, it's great for them to have this kind of database of who does what. You know, those are the kind of community projects that are fantastic. Um, and then the other thing is just on social media, you know, uh, when you are building your projects or if you're an artist and you're painting things or whatever, tag like Orlando or Orlando Creatives or Orlando Artists or something like that and help those communities figure out, hey, this guy's local or this person's local uh, and I you know, need to reach out to them. I know for me, it was, I was afraid to ask questions. I always felt that asking questions made me look stupid or ignorant or whatever. And I realize now that it's just the opposite. I love that inquisitive mind. Like when I'm talking to somebody and they're like, well, yeah, how can I do this? Or what, what about this? You know, they're questioning things. And that shows a curious mind shows to me not only passion but a creative mind as well you know they want to kind of look at it from all these different angles i think that's really cool yeah and i i i say the the greatest part about exploration is is not just finding the answers but actually finding better questions to ask and as you really start to get deep into some of the different aspects of creativity whether you know and i'm being super broad here, right? But like, you know, if you're into Unity or something and, and you know, you're doing your experiments and you run into that thing of like, how do I even go about solving this? And you write on the forums or whatnot and you're kind of detailed about what you're doing or you show a little one minute video of what you're doing. Um, sometimes people are like, never thought of it that way. You know, one way you might go about that is whatever. But now not only are you asking better questions, but the community itself is thinking about things differently because of this new question that showed up. That's great. And if you make a discovery like that, you know, it, it's great to, you know, share with people that you're working with and, and that kind of stuff and get their feedback on that progression. I, I love watching community kind of help each other out like that too. And I think, you know, I'll add to that, that the person that 
has been doing it for six months that doesn't feel that he has a lot to offer the community needs to rethink that because there's a lot of people that don't have that six months yet and you have a lot that you can offer them. Don't be afraid to do that. Just remember to maintain a sense of humility you know, confidence and humility in equal parts, you know, once you start getting arrogant about what you know or something, well, people aren't going to listen anymore, you know? Absolutely. And it, I think Tom Todia once said something like, you have to resolve yourself to know that you will always be a student. <laughs> yeah. And that's like the greatest advice. I mean, that's really the the line is just being humble and and realizing that you're never going to know it all. Yeah, sure. So the one last thing on that is that, um, persistence can often rival talent, right? So if uh, you're somebody that just keeps at it and you'll, you know, you'll fail over and over and over and over again, eventually you'll get it. That's kind of the funny part is when people see the videos that I put up or something, then they're like, man, that, he makes it look like there's just nothing to it. He just goes home and creates these crazy things. They don't realize that, man, that's taken hours. And, and oftentimes there has been times where I've brought all the equipment out and totally bombed, like failed on it, but I learned a little extra something, you know, and it's that persistence of, okay, I'm going to try this again Sunday and I'm going to, you know, try to make this part better or whatever. And, and then, you know, just don't give up, you know, just realize that every time you fail, you've learned one extra thing. Yeah. So. Uh, absolutely, man. And you know what? It would be a really boring existence if we didn't have that opportunity to continue learning. If you absolutely. find a job that gives you equal parts, the ability to contribute and learn, I think you're going to be pretty satisfied with that job. But if it's off kilter and all you're doing is learning and not necessarily contributing, you're not going to have the confidence and you know, vice versa, you... You know, are going to feel like, why am I doing this? Where's the challenge? You know, absolutely. Yeah, they say it's like if you find yourself being the smartest one in the room, it's time to find another room. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, so. man. Absolutely. So yeah. So we're we're talking with Jesse James Allen, Renaissance man, and um, getting uh, uh, getting an idea on what he's been up to. But more than that, we're getting some really great advice on, uh, especially for those in the creative world that are just kind of getting started and in, in, um, getting themselves out there. Jesse, what's next, man? Are there new territories that you're looking into? Are you pretty kind of locked into this uh, projection mapping thing right now? Or what's what's on the horizon, man? Just the amount of technology that is coming at us is crazy. Um, I find myself exploring a lot of different things. I mean, I spent the past week here working with Adobe Aero, which is their new augmented reality solution. Um, and it's actually a very elegant one. It's codeless. Uh, so it's, it's very approachable for people who are just wanting to try it out and see how things go. It's free for all Apple products. It has a really good direct link to Adobe Photoshop. So you can manipulate your assets on that. Super easy. So I've been trying that out. Um, been playing around in Tilt Brush a little bit and uh, virtual reality and kind of seeing the kind of things that you can do there. That's kind of like one of those things like, uh, you know, obviously the outside world's kind of closed off to us right now. Um, it's a good time to start 
you know, looking at the kind of products, things that you're interested in, because there's a lot of tutorials online. There's a lot of 30-day free trials on softwares that uh, let you experiment with things. So that's fantastic. Uh, it's just the discipline of sitting down and, and kind of like taking that first step and realizing you don't need to have all the answers, right? And a yeah. lot of the software that's coming out is still kind of in a beta stage, you know? It's like, as you make your discoveries, you'd be surprised if you actually wrote those companies and said, hey, here's some of the projects I was doing. Here's some of the things I found kind of frustrating. And here's some of the things I really enjoyed about it. You often get letters back and they're like, never thought of that. We're going to put that into our software or whatever. Um, that's that's a really beneficial thing for everybody involved, right? Yeah, no kidding. You were talking about discipline and I was actually thinking of this. Um, for somebody like yourself that has so many interests and so many projects going on at any given time, it's got to be hard to get your, your day job done. <laughs> How do you discipline yourself and what... What advice do you have for the up and comer that, you know, has all these things going on, you know, as it pertains to time management and prioritization and all of that? Yep. You know, a lot of my coworkers ask, do you sleep? Yeah. <laughs> and especially because, you know, I'm a family guy, you know, I'm a much older guy uh, dealing with all the responsibilities your, your average working class person has to deal with. Yeah. So, you know, obviously, especially in my job, Work is, you know, a huge chunk of my life. Spending time with family is a big part of it. So I have to be intelligent and schedule it out. Like, I just have to say, okay, I have these two nights, I have like three or four hours open to kind of do whatever I want to do. And then I might have half a day Saturday or a full day Saturday or something like that to wrap it up, you know? <laughs> or if I'm doing a bigger project, maybe that's, you know, two weeks or three weeks or whatever. And literally just go at it like inch at a time, right? Like this night, I'm just going to learn how to do the base programming of this. And then this night, I'm going to try to add in all the assets. And then Saturday is the day I might like, you know, put the music to it and try to get things animated or whatnot. And like I said, there's several times where I've started down that track and something's failed where you're just kind of having that creative block or whatever. And I, I learned to recognize that frustration and that feeling and just say, okay, like, there is no need to do this all the time. Yeah. It's only when, you know, it, it, all cylinders are firing. And sometimes it's like, okay, things aren't working out on the creative side of this this week. Maybe I'll just sit down and watch some tutorials or interact with the community or something like that or help other people that you know who are doing similar things with their problems because sometimes that spawns new ideas for you or new collaborations or it just helps them in general and that's fantastic so yeah i think it it, it it's got to be tough when you're doing a passion project too and you get all wrapped up in it and you're kind of like uh, I got to go to work. Um, but man, I really want to work on this. And I've seen people just totally lose track of it. And, you know, their day job suffers. And, and you know, you can't let that happen. You got to you got to find that good balance. Yep, I set the alarm, man. Time to go to bed. Time to wrap it up. And, I, you know, I it, it's just doing it for long enough. You kind of realize that you're not you're only in a race with yourself. So if you're doing a project like that and it, you know, this is something that's because you're only able to put an hour or two at a time at it, it might take you a month. <laughs> that's okay. Like you're not, it, there's, it's not like when you're at work and there's a five o'clock deadline on Thursday night for a client or something like that. I mean, you've got all the time you need really 
to, to explore these things. And it doesn't even have to result in an end thing. Sometimes I do an experiment like, well, that was cool. And it nothing ever was produced out of it. But yeah. it's just knowledge that you have. You yeah. know? And that's fine, too. Um, and don't beat yourself up for that. I think one of the things that I see a lot is that people are so transfixed with like getting stuff out on to um, social media for, you know, uh, acknowledgement or something like that, that they kind of, you know, sacrifice everything else in life just to meet that demand. Like you're not a full-time YouTuber. You don't need to worry about hitting a daily or biweekly mark or whatever. Go spend time with your kid, you know, like <laughs> be a human, right? Like it's okay to sit down and watch movies for a week. Like yeah, don't right. freak out. Yeah. Well, and so. do, do the stuff for the passion. I, I've always said, you know, as a, a, a longtime music lover myself and, and one that's actually worked in the business for many years, it's kind of like you could always tell the bands that were going to have some shelf life by the ones that, were passionate about what they did. Usually the ones that came in there that just wanted to be rock stars, you know, they might have their, yes. their 15 minutes, so to speak, but, you know, they would definitely burn out and fade away really quickly. And you talk about yeah, exactly. now and, and maybe people are like, oh, yeah, I kind of remember them. But, you know, the ones that were marching to their own drummers and doing it because of the love for what, what they were doing, uh, they're they're the ones that stick around for a little bit. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, well, man, I want to be respectful of your time too because I know you're cutting in on your lunch hour here, man. Um, are there That's any right, last yeah. kind of words of wisdom that you would like to leave for um, you know for our listeners? And and I'm I'm specifically thinking about the ones that um, might be new to Orlando or you know, new to, uh, the whole, the whole idea of networking and getting out there. You've been in Orlando for quite some time now, right? Yeah. I've been here since 2001. So you're native now, but, but, uh, you know, really it's been like the last four years, uh, that I've, I've really engaged with the community fully. So to, you know, answer your question, you know, those who are just coming to Orlando, you know, I've always kind of considered this the magic city, man. There is a, some really amazing people that I've run into. And I <laughs> like I don't even kid myself. I'm not even close to like the smartest one or the most creative one or anything. I can name off a pretty good list of people that just completely bury me as far as like overall skill and talent. Those are the people that you need to seek out you know, talk with and get ideas from. And they're different for whatever your skill set is, whether you're a painter or a dancer or a coder or whatever the situation is. You know, there is a community here in Orlando that has an amazing group of people that'll help you get to wherever it is that you want to go. So that's that's like great news right out of the gate, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> and the other thing is, you know, it's okay to not, know everything you know like we all start off on that journey one foot in front of the other and um you know that's that's part of it you know it's just having the faith of going hey look i'm trying here and i'm i'm doing what i can and be proud of the things that you do yeah you know you might have just created a little you know tiny project or something that's, uh, you know, like I said, a minute long project or something, that's a step, you know, <laughs> that's one step more than most people will ever take, right? Like, just be proud of that and, and um, build on that. So 
Excellent, man. Yeah. Hey, sure. for those that want to check out some of your stuff again, you're, you're out there on social media. What should they look for? Which, you know, what should they search for? Just look up Jesse James Allen. Sure. Then you can find me, like I said, Instagram, YouTube, Vimeo. If you want to learn about what uh, I'm doing with our group of creative professionals, that podcast is Experience Imagination, which gives you tons of insight to really, really fascinating projects. But yeah, and of course, like on any of those platforms, if you are a creative or an artist yourself, especially here in uh, Orlando, and you just want a buddy, <laughs> reach out. You know, I'm happy to, you know, answer questions if I, you know, know anything about whatever it is that you're asking for, or I probably know somebody that knows somebody, you know, that does. So um, yeah. that's what community is, yeah. is trying the, to the web of help each other get to where we all want to go. Well, man, I really appreciate yep. you coming on. Um, thanks for all you do for, for our community here, not only the, uh, the evangelizing, but the contributions and everything. Um, you're a good mentor and somebody that we're certainly happy and proud to have you as part of our community here. So thank you again for coming on, Jesse. For those of you that are listening here, if you go to the uh, show notes uh, on my website, robcobel.org, uh, I will put some links to, um, to some articles and to some of the uh, social media platforms that you can find Jesse on if you're interested in following him. Uh, or you can uh, be uh, not lazy and just look it up, Jesse being talent. <laughs> so um, thanks <laughs> for coming on, everybody. I want to uh, thank Carlos, as usual, for all of your help in, in helping us to put this together. Thank the uh, awesomeness of Zoom for allowing us to do these uh, podcasts uh, while we're all locked down in our houses here and everything. Um, thank you guys for listening. If I can be of help to anybody for any reason, you can find me at rwcoble, C-O-B-L-E at gmail.com, or you can find me through the website at robcoble.org. Thanks everybody for listening. And, uh, I'm looking forward to talking to you guys again real soon. Uh, be safe out there and I will see you guys soon.